0: One of the people we were working with was Chris Paul, who's a basketball player, his social media manager. And he reached out, he said, Swish gave a tool that Chris could use to find his most engaged fans in Houston.
1: Welcome to the first episode of The Seed, the startup journey. My name is Rick Liu, and this podcast is a series of interviews with startup founders. It is made for you, the curious student, talented innovator, an inspiring entrepreneur. Throughout this podcast, we will explore various startup journeys by discovering the genesis story behind these startups and gather advice in hopes that we can plant the seed of innovation and creativity in the minds of our listeners. With that being said, I am very excited to introduce our first guest, Swish Goswami. Swish is a serial tech entrepreneur. At only the age of 23, he is the CEO and founder of TrueFan a LinkedIn youth editor, a three-time TEDx speaker, and a United Nations youth ambassador. Hey, so, so uh, I can read off of your LinkedIn bio, which is super oh, impressive. No. Oh, <laughs> God, but I God, thought God. that it would be more personable if you could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your company, TrueFan.
0: Sure. So firstly, thank you for having me, Rick. This is awesome. And I'm very happy that you're doing this. Um, my name is Swish. I am a 23 year old entrepreneur in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Um, I run a company with my co founder, Onik, called TrueFan. We're a social intelligence platform that helps brands make smarter marketing decisions using data. So we acquired a platform in November called SocialRank. We brought together fan engagement and audience search, and we built a very comprehensive audience analytics platform that can help any brand go through their entire following on Instagram and Twitter and filter out their audience to find people they want to target and market to we're also the only platform in the world that has over 10 million audience reports and over 2 billion social profiles that we give brands access to to go and filter out and segment to find audiences micro influencers engaged fans
1: Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about that like what are micro influencers um and like why are you targeting them
0: Definitely. I mean, look, I think influencer marketing is a big industry. It's an $11 billion industry by the end of 2020. But Anik and I thought that the current model of influencer marketing was flawed. Um, We think that a lot of brands um, traditionally were spending a lot of money on just people with millions of followers without caring about, do they have fake followers? Do they have fake engagement? Are we actually getting impressions or are we also getting conversion on all of the promotional materials that we're sending influencers? So that's where Anik and I noticed that, micro-influencers, people that have between 10 to 150,000 followers. They don't have millions of followers, but they tend to have higher engagement rates. They tend to have local influence that can actually influence buying decisions, which is what I personally think is the definition of influence. They're cheaper to work with. And a lot of times micro-influencers are actually aligned with your brand already. They buy from you, they buy your product. So it's not a random person that you're hitting up. So that's one of the benefits that I think a brand can use. Um, when they come onto our platform and try to find micro-influencers.
1: Mm-hmm. Got it. And can you take us back to like, I think over two and a half years ago when you first started TrueFan? Like, how did you first yeah. come up with the idea? Totally. I
0: mean, look, you know, my life story is very much being within entrepreneurship. Um, I went through high school, started a nonprofit. Um It's actually where I met Anik uh, at an award function called Top 20 under 20, where we both won the award. When I went to the University of Toronto, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. You know, second year, I dropped out of school, joined a VC called J.B. Fitzgerald, picked up on a lot of great tips on investing in companies, hearing pitches, really meeting entrepreneurs and getting to know their lifestyle. And that's where I joined a company called Dunk. So my co-founder, uh, Elliot, in New York, had started this incredible account at DUNK on Instagram. In 2013, he started it. He grew it to about 2.2 million followers. I came on to help him with fundraising, getting brand deals, and going about hiring people and managing the accounts that we own. And that's actually where I thought of the idea for TrueFan is one of the people we were working with was Chris Paul, who's a basketball player, his social media manager. And he reached out, he said, Swish, do you have a tool that Chris could use to find his most engaged fans in Houston? So I didn't at the time, but this was around December, 2017. I thought about it a little thought there could be a project here called up Onik, Who was at Stanford at the time. And we came up with this idea of building out a platform where, Any individual, any brand could go and find their engaged fans and reach out to them and reward them.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, just being curious, like, how was your original idea in the very beginning? How is that different from what you're doing right now? Or if there are any differences?
0: Yeah, look, the original idea is around fan engagement only. So Mm -hmm. we only cared about a brand and a celebrity finding their top fans. I think now what we can do is a lot more than just that. You know, Mm -hmm. we built out this very robust system where you can come on and you don't just see the top 20% of your audience, you see your entire following on Instagram or Twitter. It doesn't matter if you have 2000 followers, it doesn't matter if you have 20 million followers, we'll show you all of those people and in a matter of seconds, you can filter that audience. So you can Mm -hmm. find all the people that follow me that have the keyword dancer in their bio in Toronto between 10,000 and 100,000 followers and you can get very granular and very specific, which is something we couldn't do initially.
1: hmm okay, wow, that's, that's really impressive. Um, and so you talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, I was listening to your interview on the podcast, Hustle Over Everything, and you mm-hmm. talked about you know the story of how, as a kid, you built and sold a hovercraft to buy your Nintendo DS, and there's also yep. this thing, called Ajax. And I was wondering, yeah. that was really interesting. And so could you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what is Ajax? Sure, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh man. Um, so when I was in Singapore, I grew up there, um, until I was eight years old, moved to Calgary, Alberta. Um, around the age of seven, I, I created this hovercraft with my dad and honestly, he built it. Like I was literally just there writing out stuff and ideas. And I think he wanted to teach me a bit about engineering and the work that he did. So we built out a very simple hovercraft, taking the Hava Kelly, taking off the, the styrofoam base, building a new styrofoam base and using the same rotor and motor. Um, and so in the process of doing that, I started thinking more about business and I started thinking about it in a way of like, what other ideas can I get into? And I started writing a lot. So I wrote pretty much like, I'd say over 150 business ideas on paper. And these weren't business plans. These were more just me writing out an idea, talking about how great it would be, what the problems would be that I could solve and then putting them all into a journal. So at my house in Calgary, I have this like huge, huge folder that's filled with a bunch of ideas, and I call it Ajax because I really started writing when I was 10, um, Uh and I started writing all these business ideas when I'm 10, so Ajax, but it's also something that maybe down the road I'd like to start as a company. Um, I actually currently have a consulting company, I speak under it, Um, so whenever I go and give talks I normally am paid through that consulting company, Uh, and that consulting company right now is called Ajax too. Wow.
1: Okay so like from just listening to your stories it sounds like you've always had an entrepreneurial mind but you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier that you went to college wanting to become a lawyer and you also dropped out after two years like was that Mm -hmm. can you talk about that experience a bit more totally i mean look i
0: i was definitely interested in entrepreneurship because of movies tv shows that had a, a very strong influence on me but i never thought that you could have that sort of career path unless you were a really hardcore developer, you know, you had incredible technical skills. You were really smart, like a Mark Zuckerberg, to drop out and do it. So I thought it would be great to, to you know make sure that I have a strong foundation. And I went into college thinking I wanted to be a lawyer. You know, I knew that eventually I'd probably start my own thing, but I thought, why don't I just get a get a law degree? So I was in undergrad, second year came around, I realized that I was working a lot more on projects outside of school. I was speaking under the National Speakers Bureau at the time talking a lot about mental health, about debate, about the transition from high school to university. Um, And I was also building out a side project with my former debate partner in high school, Arjun, a wearables project. Um, And so going through and spending a lot of time focusing on that and not attending classes made me realize that, hey, maybe at this moment where I am right now, 20 years old, I should take some time off and just focus in on this project if I do think it'll do well. Um, and so that project obviously took me to New York and brought me in contact with Trevor Booker It brought me in contact with the VC he was running. But I think dropping out obviously was a hard decision to make. And I also come from an immigrant family where, you know, you can't just go up to your mom and say, you're dropping out and not hear a lecture on how I'm going to end up being a failure. But I think my mom eventually got around to it after a year of me living on my own in New York, after seeing that I can make my own money I can put food on the table um have a shelter to live in and i'm I'm happy and i'm I'm enjoying what i'm doing and i'm good at it i think she started trusting me more i definitely think she would want me to go back to school i think it's kind of just a a mom's dream to see her son or daughter graduate but um i always told her that eventually i'll do it um if i'm 55 you know i think past the age of 55 the government actually gives you free education so (laughs) i might actually take them up on that and and graduate when i'm like 57 or whatever
1: (laughs) Uh Yeah, and so this is uh, a question that I really want to ask you because you talk about, you know, obviously, True Fan is in your first company. Uh, you also uh, have a podcast. You publish a book. You've done multiple TED Talks. So, like, mm-hmm. how do you actually manage to do so many different things?
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that question a lot. Look, like, I think that early on, I knew that what I wanted to build was a multi-hyphenate career. And what that mm-hmm. means is I didn't just want to do one thing, but I wanted to do multiple things. I think where... I went wrong a little bit is in the first year of true fan, for example, I don't think I was as focused as I am right now. Um, I was kind of all over the place, you know, I was working on true fan, but I was also speaking, I was writing this book, you know, I was traveling a lot for speaking. I was, you know, going through and doing some endorsements, whether it was for social media or whether it was just for my personal brand. And that was great definitely helped me build a good footing in various places, meet some awesome people. But at the end of the day, the bread and butter of my life is TrueFan. So I don't think I've been more focused than I've I've been maybe in the entire existence of TrueFan than now. Um, I think since, you know, the end of March, really, like when COVID hit hard, I've just been really, really locked in. And that does mean sacrifices. It doesn't mean not having to speak, not having to maybe do some sort of endorsements, not have to, you know, I was thinking about maybe doing a clothing line and doing a pilot of that. I postponed that. Um, I had obviously a shoe deal with K-Swiss and we postponed that as well. The book is gonna come out later on now. It obviously got postponed due to COVID. So I think this is a good opportunity for me to really lock in and focus on a few things, but the short answer in these opportunities will come your way if you're moving. So if you're in the right circles, people are gonna hit you up for various things and it unlocks opportunities. The question is whether you take them or not, really comes down to timing. Like, can you actually focus in while doing all of these other things? And sometimes the answer is yes, Sometimes the answer is no, especially when things are intense.
1: Got it. Okay. And when you were asked um, what, you, what motivates you to get up every day, I believe your answer was your family and your team at TrueFan. Yes. Yes. And I was wondering, like, if you have some ultimate goal you want to accomplish, like, where do you see yourself in 10 or 20 years of time?
0: Totally. I mean, so that's a hard question to you know, answer, <laughs> right? Because I can answer it here, and then a month from now, I might have a different answer altogether. I do think about my future a lot. It's something I... I don't, it's not like I don't think about it at all, but obviously right now the goal is to grow True Fan and make it as big as possible. That's Onik and I's goal. Past that, I, I have no clue what's gonna happen. I'd love to start another company. Um, I don't know what the idea is gonna be. I don't know who with who, um, but again, you know, I think for now the short-term goal is let's build True Fan up and make it as big as possible. The long-term goal though, eventually I would love to do something around entertainment. I'm really interested in film direction, film writing, maybe it's something I look into. And I'm also really interested in politics, um, which is a long, long, long long-term goal. But um, right now, you know, I do believe that I will one day put my name in to run for office. Um, I don't know at what level. I don't know when. I don't know in which country. um, Probably Canada. But that's kind of just a goal of mine since I was maybe 10, 12 years old.
1: Mm -hmm. And like on the note of like aspirations, inspiration, was there... A particular book or maybe a person that really inspired you to become who you are today? There were a lot of people.
0: Um, you know, I think there, there are people in close proximity to me um, that have definitely inspired me. Um, my, Michael Hyatt is one of my personal mentors. He's not a person that's very well known, but he's a Toronto-based entrepreneur. He sold his last company for $400 million. He sold his previous company for a hundred million. He's had two really big exits, a very humble, very, very nice guy, loves helping out younger people. Um, And so he's just been an incredible mentor. He's someone that I love because he's very humble. He's very resourceful. He always makes time for you if you make time for him. Um, And he has a great mind when it comes to simplifying problems. So I think that was one. Um, And then I think number two, my brother was obviously a very big inspiration for me. You know, He's a lawyer. He's clerking at the Supreme Court right now. He loves what he does. I've learned about loving what you do through him because he loves the law so much. He loves waking up and solving these big issues for judges. Or um, when he was back at the prosecutor, he was doing that for the city. That's the type of inspiration I draw upon when I'm thinking, okay, how do I know I'm living a life that I love? Or how do I know I'm working a job that I love? I look at my brother.
1: Wow. Okay. And so do you have any advice for someone like me who's still in school, uh, but is interested in entrepreneurship and maybe want to start a company in the future?
0: Totally. I mean, two things. One is whatever you're doing right now, right? I, I, you know, Networking, meet people. And the best way to network, in my opinion, is interviewing people. You know, Reach out to people over LinkedIn. Reach out to people over Instagram DMs. Tell them I've interviewed X, Y, Z person. I'd love to have you on my podcast. Or I'd love to have, uh, have you get on a phone call with me so I can write an article about you. So grow your network because your network will take you in various places. You might not even want to be an entrepreneur after you meet five, 10 people that are in a totally different industry that you're really interested in now because you've understood what that job is like to them. Um, The second thing I think I would do if I was a student looking to start a company is not to overcomplicate it. Um, Ideas normally that you think of initially aren't the ideas that you end off with right so like my initial idea for TrueFan, i wouldn't say we pivoted we've definitely evolved though it is very different from where we initially thought the idea was so the biggest takeaway is make sure that once you have an idea you don't try to plan too much because your initial idea doesn't need to be perfect for you to go out and get customer feedback and to then iterate it from there so the biggest thing is to just try to get going you know have an idea put it into some visual format whether it's a deck a presentation going and envision and building out a wireframe that's non-functional and then start showing people, get feedback, and then go back to the drawing board as quick as possible.
1: Okay. And before we end, I want to also ask how you and the Trufan team are currently doing under the COVID-19 pandemic. Like, how has your business been affected? Totally.
0: Thank you for asking. I mean, look, COVID's been a terrible time for many companies and we know that, but thankfully, We've actually not seen a negative effect from COVID. We've been growing at a pretty healthy rate despite COVID. Um, A lot of our customers, though, have been affected, and it means we've been very patient and empathetic towards them. And then I think more importantly, we've done a number of things for small businesses during this time. So at the start of April, we rolled out a SMB offering. So we gave any small business in the world under 25,000 followers access to our platform for free for 45 days. We took no credit card information. All you had to do was fill out a short survey. And that's going to end on May 15th. But past May 15th, we're actually going to be launching a free plan as well, Um, because we thought it'd be awesome for any person in the world to be able to test out our platform through a free plan. The second thing we did is we started a monthly virtual event series called Navigating the Unknown. We had our first event on April 14th. We actually have our second event coming up at the end of May on May 28th. We're going to do this monthly. where We're going to do a virtual Zoom call People are going to come in. They're going to be asking industry experts questions, and it's a great way to be able to meet your network and, and meet new people. And then the third and final thing we did was integrate our platform with some other platforms. So we integrated our technology with Hootsuite, which is obviously one of the biggest social media management companies in the world. Uh, and Hootsuite has about 1.2 million small businesses that use their platform out of 16 million users. So being able to help even a fraction of them gain insights on their audience through their Hootsuite dashboard was something we thought was really important to do during this time as well. So as much as possible, we've tried to be out there to say, we're here to help. But thankfully in terms of our own business, it hasn't been negatively affected as much.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I follow you on LinkedIn and Instagram and I really love what TrueFan and what you've been doing to support small businesses. So thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you uh, for taking the time to do this um, and I really appreciate the advice you've given me. And you know, I wish you the best of luck and stay safe. Amazing. Thank you, Rick. Love it. From Swish, I learned three things. The first is to keep moving. Keep jotting down your ideas and pursuing them when possible. When you do that, opportunities will come. The second is the importance of networking. In fact, one way to increase the opportunities that come to you is to grow your network because your network will take you to various places. If you're in the right circles, people are going to hit you up for various things and it unlocks opportunities. The third is for entrepreneurs for starting out. Don't overcomplicate it. Get going, try to build out a wireframe prototype and show it to others. Get feedback and iterate along the way. I hope that you found this episode meaningful. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this with your friends and anyone who you think has a creative and entrepreneurial mind. And before you go, for all you gamers and esports fans out there, make sure you follow us for the release of the next episode, which will feature a lawyer turned CEO who played 40,000 games of Hearthstone as he was getting his second masters. Coming up soon on The Seed, The Startup Journey.